Listener Production. Scientific fraud, when published science isn't good science. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing, a podcast about the science of everything. Last year, serious allegations into a pivotal research paper on Alzheimer's disease surfaced. It claimed there were major scientific holes in the study, a study that influenced nearly two decades of Alzheimer's research. Today, I talk to Cosmos Magazine journalist Claire Kenyon about how serious the allegations are and exactly where in the scientific process things fell apart. Okay, so Claire... There was some controversy in dementia and Alzheimer's research last year. The events of that are still kind of playing out now. And it's over some research that was published back in 2006. What can you tell us about this research and why has it come up again? So this was some research published in Nature. This is a famous scientific journal that includes research from a range of academic disciplines, uh, mainly science and technology, but some other stuff as well. This particular research came out in 2006, so you're right, quite a while ago, led by a neuroscientist called Sylvain Lesne. Now, Lesne was working at the University of Minnesota in the US and was researching dementia and Alzheimer's. And in this particular piece of research, Lesne announced that they discovered a specific toxic oligomer that caused dementia in mice. Some science lingo here. Run us through this, Claire. What do we need to know about this oligomer? What you need to know is that there's this peptide in the brain called amyloid beta, and there are many different versions of this amyloid beta peptide, and these versions are called oligomers. Okay. Now, these particular amyloid beta, that's actually quite normal in our brains. Uh, It's actually sort of a waste product that the brain clears out. But amyloid beta is really sticky. And what happens is that when it accumulates, which is not supposed to do, it clumps together and sits in between the little sort of nerve cells. And we call these things plaques. And these are long associated with dementia and Alzheimer's. Right. So it's these amyloid beta plaques that have been thought to cause dementia symptoms. Yeah, that's right. So this particular oligomer they discovered was a type of amyloid beta that they called amyloid beta star 56. And the reason this was such a big deal is because what they actually did is they took this amyloid beta star 56 from older mice in the lab that had dementia symptoms and they purified it and then they injected it into some young mice test subjects. And what they found is that it appeared to directly cause dementia-like symptoms, in particular memory loss. And these findings underpinned a popular but still controversial theory even today that amyloid plaques were directly responsible for causing Alzheimer's disease. Okay, I imagine this was a pretty big deal, right? Sort of identifying what causes a disease as debilitating as Alzheimer's. How was this research received at the time? Yeah, I mean, this was a huge finding because it's actually the causal connection between dementia symptoms and beta amyloid. So for a long time, they've known that they're kind of associated, they're correlated. Sure. But this was sort of proof that beta amyloid caused these plaques. And Lesnay's experiments basically showed that amyloid beta star 56 caused this dementia. So, of course, this, you know, sparks hope. People go, oh, there might be actually a cure here. There might be a treatment. We might be able to stop this absolutely debilitating disease. What happened next? 
So naturally, of course, funding will start to flow there. There's estimates of millions of dollars of government funding going towards this sort of research. There's also lots of papers that then jump from that starting point onto their own research. So of course, there's sort of two different forks in the road there that are really, really important. But over time, not everything sort of added up. And we had heaps of drug trials which worked on targeting these plaques, flushing amyloid beta out of the brain, and they failed. And people right. just couldn't work out why. Not to mention the fact that some scientists tried to replicate the studies and couldn't come up with anything. So until now, evidence has come out that this hypothesis, it's not really everything it's cracked up to be, potentially. And recently, an investigation into Lesney's research has taken off to get to the root of what's going on. Wow, okay, so how did we get to this point that it sparked an investigation? Yeah, you've got to wonder about that. It's been, what, 16 years or so. Originally, Lesney's research was called out by a researcher called Matthew Schrag. And Schrag is a neuroscientist and physician at Vanderbilt University in the US. He was actually employed by a couple of people to look into the images and science associated with a specific amyloid beta drug. And when he looked into that, he came across Lesney's research and he noticed some discrepancies. Okay. Basically, he alleges that images in Lesney's paper are what he calls red flags and actually has found suspect images in dozens of papers. This launched a six-month investigation by another scientific journal called Science. Science passed on Schrag's findings to some well-regarded Alzheimer's researchers, but also to some image experts. Okay. Some of these image experts have had a look at the data and the images, and they're just like, some of it looks like it might have just been cut up and pasted together. (gasps) Yeah, and other things that can appear in image manipulation, not necessarily in this one, are things like flipping images pasting bits that don't belong there, changing contrasts. Those are the sort of things that image manipulation experts look for. Yeah. So it's a huge deal. It was seen as a pivotal finding in Alzheimer's research. And now it's becoming clearer why these drug trials have failed. And the cause for Alzheimer's that Lesney claimed to have found may in fact not exist at all. This is pretty scary. I mean, that's 16 plus years of Alzheimer's research that's been in some way based on this one research project. And now there are some pretty hefty suggestions coming up to show it's deeply flawed. I mean, how can this happen? Well, apart from the actions of individuals, what happened here is that there were key failures in the process that ensures that published science is good science. And that's the process of peer review. Now, if you're not across what peer review is, basically what happens is a journal receives a manuscript from an author, then they send it out to some other researchers in the field. And those external reviewers then basically give their judgment on whether it's good to go, needs to be fixed up a bit in places or needs some more information, or sometimes it's just not appropriate for publication in this particular journal for whatever reason. Yeah. It's seen as the gold standard in most parts of academia. Peer review is also done for free. Scientists do it on their own time, but there are still problems with the peer review process as it stands today, which can lead to events like what we've seen with Lesney's research. So what are some of the issues that undermine peer review? For one, 
Issues with peer review are common across the board. As of the 27th of September 2022, when I actually started writing this peer review series for Cosmos, there were 35,862 retractions listed on a website specifically built to collate journal retractions and editors' expressions of concern. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So essentially, retractions are when a journal formally says, nope, we aren't backing this paper anymore. But an editor's expression or note of concern, which is what's currently on the Lesne paper, it's a caution to people who might want to use the research that something might be up and they're investigating. Sometimes it just needs an author to address something and the paper can you know, be amended. Sometimes it goes to retractions. I should point out that a few weeks later, on the 13th of October, there were over 36,000 retractions. Yeah. That's hundreds over the course of just a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And this is demonstrating quite well what the problem is. There's so much academic literature out there now. There aren't always enough people available to review the research. The rate of submission of papers to academic journals increases every single year and publishers are absolutely swamped and they struggle to find appropriate, willing and able reviewers. Mm-hmm. And the other fact is it adds to the researchers and scientists' already busy workload and they're basically expected to do it completely for free. Yeah, Claire, I can attest to that. Like I bailed from academia a while ago and I would still get weekly emails asking me to review papers and I don't even work in the industry anymore. And when I did, it was out of control. Yeah, it's a huge sap on time. It's incredible. So another issue is that it's sometimes difficult and expensive to get proper peer-reviewed research published in scientific journals too. So this is obviously a barrier to entry. And also the number of publications you submit, you know, it's used in the scientific community as a metric for promotion and also for the allocation of grants. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that you want to get more and more research published. And it also makes sense that people might try to circumvent this process. So who's in charge of ensuring peer-reviewed does what it's supposed to do? Well, there is no scientific body globally that overlooks integrity when it comes to scientific journals and peer review. There's no global watchdog of any kind. There are some government bodies which talk about integrity in science, but they can't oversee everyone and everything. So that's where it actually falls to individuals, scientists and researchers, to take matter into their own hands. Mm -hmm. And there are other researchers like Schrag, who called out Lesne's Alzheimer's research, and they're called science sleuths. (laughs) They've actually emerged to try and plug at least some of the holes in the leaky bucket of peer review. They're identifying and calling out examples of shoddy work that undermines science, like, you know, bad science process, and also image manipulation, for example. They'll do things like post questionable work to social media. They'll also post to sites dedicated to calling out poor peer review and poor science. This includes websites like PubPeer, which is founded by a group of scientists that gives the scientific community a space to voice concerns about data or text in articles. So Claire, this might sound like a bit of a basic question, but what are some of the the real world impacts when science isn't properly peer reviewed? Oh, not a basic question at all, because it can affect all of us. So for one, properly peer-reviewed research deserving of funding can miss out, Mm -hmm. or worse, that funding can be wasted on undeserving projects. But the cost is not only financial. If research informs treatment or drugs used for certain illnesses and diseases, and then flaws are discovered in that research, Mm -hmm. this is obviously bad. If we go back to Lesne's research and the drugs that were used for Alzheimer's, 
there are side effects for those drugs. Yeah. They can cause fluid accumulation in the brain. They can cause strokes. You know, people can die from these sorts of medications. So the implications can be really, really serious. Okay, so does this mean we should look at adopting a different system for peer review or is peer review sort of the best we've got? So the takeaway here is that the peer review system at its core is actually a great system, but everyone has to do it properly and take it seriously. The idea really is that everyone keeps everyone on track and science keeps growing from everybody else. So that's really what peer review is about. So while there are undeniably problems with the peer review process, there are a number of great suggestions out there about how we can really strengthen it up, like potentially paying reviewers, having publishers hire their own sleuths and image experts, increasing transparency by making the actual reviews public. If scientists follow best practice and also continue to call out science that isn't credible, reliable or properly peer reviewed, the system can and does work we just have to make sure it's up to snuff. Claire Kenyon is a science journalist for Cosmos magazine. You can check out Claire's five article series on peer review by becoming a subscriber to Cosmos Weekly. Head to cosmosmagazine.com to subscribe and read more. Also, if you're a fan of the show, don't forget to subscribe. You can download the Listener app to listen for free or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just search The Science Briefing and leave a review. Let us know what you think. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Jake Morecambe. Mixing by Dave Stein. Our executive producer is Carla Arnold. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time. Listener.